to the Beautiful Mistakes podcast. Thanks for joining me. I've uh, skipped the schedule this week, uh, going away from the planned uh, content for you. I'm going to be a little greedy with the podcast this week. Use it for my own personal channel. Uh, my son's first birthday was a little bit more than a week ago. And uh, ever since before he was born, I've been writing um, journal entries kind of about the experience, you know, my wife being pregnant, his delivery, and raising a kid. So I wanted to take a handful of those and uh, present those this week. Now, these are a a little bit rough as they're journal entries and not necessarily uh, meant for public consumption. And uh, I'm going to put an explicit label on this. I mean, if you ask me, it's not that explicit, but it is kind of frank at times. So um, give it a listen before you uh, share it with anybody. But anyway, I hope you enjoy. The night before I found out about you, I had two separate dreams where I met a fiery end in car explosions. The first time, it was my own fault. The second, I was trying to save people trapped inside a vehicle pending a combustible ending. The morning of, I had to wake up early and drive my mom and dad down to the airport, then all the way across town to get to work on time. While in the office, a fire drill from my two-up boss led to -to back-to-back meetings to discuss the work I had to do by the end of the day, which were scheduled so closely together that I could not, in fact, do the work that was required, nor grab any coffee, nor go to the bathroom or take a lunch. Towards the end of the day, cranky and exhausted, your mother called me to share the news. The rest of the day disappeared. I've always kind of thought of parenthood as a natural progression of accomplishments. Okay, now I've graduated, got a job, got a wife, a house, got a better job. Next is... Ah, babies. Almost like a promotion. A level up. You complete a certain number of tasks... Gain enough experience, bam, Travis gains a level. Class change to father, plus one to children, plus ten to wisdom, minus a hundred to freedom. I suppose it doesn't work like that, or at least it rarely does. I also suppose that I think this way because I believe in the father as a role model. I kids you look up to their father. I know I did. I would want my child to be on the verge of awe as I explain the trials and tribulations of my life to them. They should think, man, I want to do something like Dad did. But I suppose I have no control over any of that. The clinical fact is that you have a kid after your sexual exploits result in the union of an egg and a sperm. Maybe that's after months of fertility treatment, medication, and frustration. Maybe that's after a cheap bottle of wine. Of course, using my own life as an example, I've had times that I pour myself into work, into school, into a massive project, and end up with a thank you or a lunch. Meanwhile, all my biggest rewards seem completely random, the result of a larger departmental budget one month when nothing particularly interesting was going on, or a chance encounter with a former colleague or a friend who knows someone just happens to be hiring. Today I wondered if this is the final submission the last gasp of complete independence before I must prioritize the lives of others over my own. Whether it is the influx of hormones or the societal green light given to women in this condition, 
I foresee the endless, unrejectable favors asked of me taking their toll on my right of refusal. My natural reaction is quelled by a thousand voices ready to judge my worth as a supporter of new life should my efforts be found wanting. Though my own desire is to give as much as I can, I, I would rather feel like I had any ability to freely choose how to respond instead of the looming guilt. I suppose I could refuse, skip town, cheat with another woman, file divorce, but these are fictions. The freedom to choose these options is the freedom to betray myself and to choose pain and suffering beyond my endurance. To endure, to suffer, to delegate my decisions to this soon-to-be mother is the only option that I can choose. It might not be perfectly freely, but is the only one I would feel good about. Now don't get me wrong, I have no desire to leave my wife or to abandon my child. Maybe I haven't conveyed myself properly. What I wanted to tell you is that I feel I have no options now. I can no longer choose how to respond to each late night craving request. I can no longer decide what I will do if mother has a backache or needs a drink of water at three in the morning. I feel that the meaning of my actions is dulled and diluted for the lack of free determinism. They say that you instantly bond with your child. Perhaps this is the down payment on that future connection. They say to be truly free, you have to kill all your connections in life. They say to truly be free, you have to kill all your connections in life. Perhaps to truly be free, you have to be willing to sacrifice yourself. Perhaps there is liberty and servitude. Perhaps work makes you free. Perhaps you have to learn how to suck it up and stop being a whiny bitch before you can call yourself an adult. Perhaps the whole issue is my child self now kicking and screaming on the way to the gallows. Get ready for a quick drop, a sickening snap, an entirely new concept of life. Just now, the calendar has moved to September. In a little more than five months, the baby will be here. Boy or girl, I don't mind either option. I don't find myself longing for a game of catch with a boy who's grown taller by the minute, nor do I fear my beautiful young woman leaving in the front seat of some punk's car. What I find myself picturing is quiet moments with a child who curiously questions the world around them, and myself giving a soft reply that aims to provoke deeper thoughts. Mother's belly is finally betraying the secret life and forming inside of it. Still, the possibility of a baby coming out of her seems odd. I suppose, like all my life's major events, I have no earthly idea what having a kid will be like, so I struggle to imagine anything about it with much ferocity. Not to put the two on the same level, but the closest I can figure it will be like is the first few nights after we adopted our dog. It was kind of unsettling to think that this creature lived with us now. It would be waiting for me to get up tomorrow, to feed it and take it outside. If something happened to it, and I had to do something about it. Not only that, but it will be there it would be there the next day, and the next, and the next. A similar feeling when my wife first moved in with me. After the excitement of the day, my brain tickled me out of sleeping as I was wonderstruck that she would no longer be going home to shower and sleep. She was already there, and I would be a part of that there now too. Still a bit of an alien thought, as I watched the two females that make up the rest of my pack peacefully sleep, sleeping, my heart is lightened thinking about the first night the newest member is safely under our roof, breathing quietly with a contented smile across the fresh face. Thank you.
Levi. Levi Allen. He's begun kicking me. How freaking weird is that? I can only imagine how it must feel for Danielle, but that small, fleeting, instantaneous, yet profound moment when I realize that Levi, Danielle, and I are all touching is incredible. How does he feel about it? I'm floating in a warm, dark nest, at various times too cramped. An unconscious spasm brings a newly formed foot in contact with the walls of his home. But more than that, and this time, there's something else that meets his flesh and an odd, muffled voice that gibbers happily, seemingly completely pleased that this chance meeting has taken place. Hard to say what it is I'm feeling now. Anxious, I suppose. Anxious, but not nervous. Curious might be the better answer. I feel I'm paused at the top of the first big hill on a roller coaster. That mixed feeling of, holy shit, this is going to be great, and holy shit, what the fuck was I thinking, sharing my heart equally. Soon, soon we will rush off to the hospital. Ten to eighteen short hours later, we can expect to have a freshly minted life on our hands. Then, then what the fuck do we do? What can I expect? Honestly, I expect a dizzying whirlwind of events, followed by a sudden stop where I realize it's all over. Perhaps when Levi calls me to say that his young wife is expecting. Not long now. Not long at all. Less than a month. There are no more projects to do to get the house ready. The hospital bag is packed and ready to be grabbed at a moment's notice. Then, before I realize what is happening, Levi will be grabbing at my finger. It was when I hit send on the last email mark the last task in my outlook list as complete, that I realized just how much my nervous energy has been poured into those sleepless nights. That all of my work projects were the only place I could direct my anxiety. And that was why I kept saying yes when more and more people wanted to cram a month of work into four days. Now all I can be is a coach. I can't reach over and deliver this baby on my own. I just have to be strong and supportive the best I can be, I guess. I then pace up and down the house about a hundred times in a half hour. I seem to be really good at that just at the moment. Also, as an aside, why is it that the biggest days of my life always come after a night with less than four hours of sleep? At this point, I don't yet feel like I can really describe it. My son is here. That much is certain. Days before our son joined us, on this side of his mother's womb all run together. The first quiet contractions, then the painful ones, the constrained nervousness of the ride to the hospital, the quiet panic while the mother would be writhed in agony, crying out due to the fast progression of labor, the prideful wounding when I was reproached for trying too hard to be sympathetic, the long, drug-induced hours of half-sleep while labor stalled, and the split-second courage as my wife decided to opt for surgery. The wild-eyed fear I tried to hide away while clasping her hand in the operating room. Then the tearful relief when our son finally emerged. All that followed by four or five days of lifelike sleep and dreamlike waking as nurses, doctors, and visitors came and went. The state spilled over into our home upon our return, and we've yet to truly wake from it. Days fly by without much distinction. Nights drag on and on while we are not sleeping. 
but one is not differentiated from the other. I feel that if I were to get a solid night of sleep, I could put the whole thing in a better perspective. As it is, I can only offer small observations on what fatherhood has been like so far. Generally, if someone shits on my hands, I am pissed and will probably wash for the next 30 minutes before touching anything else. But if this happens while changing a diaper, I'm unfazed. Nighttime feeding sessions are akin to being awoken after two hours of sleep to watch the same episode of a very uneventful sitcom all the way through, sometimes twice, before you can go back to sleep. All those problems they told you about during childbirth classes, uh, the ones you figured wouldn't happen to you, get ready to be surprised by them, even when they take place exactly how your instructor said they would. Uh, a perfect example. They told me during classes that a screaming child would likely make me very frustrated and angry, and if I got the urge to shake or hit him to go take a break. I don't get very angry very quickly. Surely that advice is for some someone more hot-headed, I thought to myself. Now, the thought of striking or harming my son certainly has not entered my mind, but you really have no idea how infuriating it is for someone, even a child, be screaming as if they were just stabbed with a rusty knife while you do everything and anything you can think of for them. Equally as frustrating for me has been dealing with a person who has no understanding of logic. My son will happily sleep in pee that has seeped through his diaper and his clothes for hours without a complaint, but the second I try to put clean clothing on him, I'm apparently a rapist or a murderer and he alerts everyone in earshot of his impending doom. He doesn't care that he'll be warmer and more comfortable when I've completed my task, he just knows that his butt is cold while I'm doing it. They say there is always a moment when it just clicks, when you realize you've become a parent. Thinking back on it now, my moment was shortly after Levi was born. His mother had been stitched back together, he had been weighed and washed and dressed and wrapped, and I was showing him to my wife as she was beginning her recovery. Not too long after that, it began to dawn on us that his diaper need changing, and I feebly looked around the room wondering who would take him to be changed. The nurse was busy reading charts. Danielle still couldn't move, thanks to the epidural and the pain from the C-section. In the moment I realized it was up to me, that was my moment. An odd, powerful, frightening reflex of a moment where there's not even a decision to grit your teeth and get through it. A moment where there isn't even a question. As if you saw someone step out in front of a bus they didn't see, your instinct just kicks in. It's a moment you start to have almost every day. The kid tries to swallow something a little too big for him. You quietly and quickly stick your finger in his mouth and pull whatever it is out of there. Through the monitor you hear him crying because he's had a bad dream. You hit pause on the Nintendo and you go pick him up. He blows through his diaper and gets all sorts of filth inside his pajamas. You grab as many wipes as you can and you get to cleaning him up. It is absolutely cliche, yet I feel it's true. Being a parent is nothing like you would have expected. I suppose it is harder than I thought, but not in the way I anticipated it to be. I pictured a lot of frustration, loss of sleep, fatigue. Sure, those have all played a part, but none seems to capture exactly what it feels like. It's more like having a house guest that just never leaves. You're very concerned with what they'd like to do, what they'd like to eat, very conscious of their sleeping patterns, and always this vague feeling that you used to do things differently. I remember how I used to spend my Saturdays, he muttered to myself while heating a bottle. 
Still, hand in hand with that, I never expected the enjoyable parts to be anywhere near as good as they are. And this too is very hard to describe. I guess I would compare it to a movie or a piece of music that turned out to be surprisingly excellent. You'd heard good things, but were skeptical. Then, unexpectedly, there's a moment so beautiful, so moving, so avant-garde, that you're stopped short, breathless. Today I watched him roll over for the first time all on his own. I watched it on my phone from my parked car as I left work. So odd, such a small, simple thing. It's something he couldn't do yesterday. Something that paves the way for more simple, yet simultaneously amazing things to come. A short, grainy cell phone video, and I found myself wiping tears from my eyes. Every day some small accomplishment, something else he couldn't do the day before. Sitting on his own, feeding himself from his high chair, tickling his mother and me, clapping his hands, shaking his head, handing me one of his blocks, pulling the light switch on and off, pushing a ball across the floor, turning himself around on his belly, doing sit-ups when he doesn't want to lay back in the tub, sitting on the couch to watch a movie with me, dancing along to a song. Just an endless supply of activities. How awesome will it be when instead of just watching a movie, he's asking me about the characters. Instead of rolling a ball, he and I are playing in the backyard. Instead of turning the light on and off, he's wondering how the light works. I often wonder if I'm sowing the seeds of a future ailing abduction experience for my son. Most nights, when bedtime rolls around, one of us gets him to sleep and puts him in his bed. Then when we're ready to go to bed ourselves, we transfer him into a playpen in our room. I sneak into his room, a dark, shadowy figure from his vantage point. Turn on all the lights that are still on and slowly, quietly place my hands underneath him and lift his still stumbling body straight upward into the dark of the night. I picture him waking up in the morning, drowsily taking his surroundings and wondering where he got there. Last I remember, I was drinking a bottle and watching TV. Now it's daytime and I'm in bed. What the hell just happened? My son is now teetering on the edge, holding onto the coffee table or the couch or to his mother's hands as he takes wobbling, unstable, excited, daring steps forward. He's reaching out, pointing at everything that comes under his gaze, pointing to make sure we all see it too. He's not just playing with his toys, he seems to understand more and more what he needs to do to get them to work the way he wants them to. I put the red ball on the top here, and the toy helicopter makes a noise and says, One, in a very excited voice. He crawls past the front door and he stops and waves, apparently expecting someone to enter any moment now. Happy first birthday, Levi. I can't believe how much you've grown in 12 short months. And I can't wait to see what you have in store next year. I love you. Okay, that's all I have for this week. Uh, thanks for indulging me a little bit. Uh, next time, I'm not 100% sure what I'm going to have. I'm thinking I'm going to go back to the artist that I had previewed in the past and uh, do a little more in-depth look at their interviews. So uh, we'll see you next time. Thanks.
There you go. That'll be good. Yeah.